Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, wherever you're watching from, if you just drop a comment, say hi. I hope the software will show me. Uh, if it doesn't, just know I'm saying hi back to y'all in my heart. Hey, today uh, I really want to wrestle through something with you guys. Excuse me, I'm going to cough. I don't want to cough in your ear, so hold, please. Yuck. I've got some DayQuil in me. It should be kicking in in a minute, and then I'll feel it at least 70%. So today what I want to wrestle with is... Um, is who God is and who we are. Because honestly, my wife and I talk about this all the time. Our church, thankfully, has been wrestling with some of this stuff. But it's like, if we don't, if we don't know how we answer the question, who is God and, and who am I? Then how can we even possibly begin to say, and what's my purpose? How can we possibly be able to process all of the blessings and all of the pain that we struggle with if we can't confidently say we know who God is and we know who we are. And so today um, I want to take a, a, a cue out of Stephen Covey's playbook and we're going to begin at the beginning. So we're going to read uh, from Genesis chapter one. Now here's the deal. Uh, yes, I'm ordained. No, that doesn't matter. There are a lot of ordained pastors that twist scripture or just get it wrong on accident. And the reality is I don't believe I know everything. So um, with Bible study live, I am I am opening up the scriptures to wrestle through this and, and I'm sharing with you the questions that pop into my mind as I wrestle through it or the questions that have been in my mind for many years as I've wrestled through scripture. Um, the whole point of this is to, to create conversation without condemnation, whether that conversation is between you and I or whether that conversation is between you and God or you and your friends or you and your small group or you and your pastor or you and the call-in radio show that you're calling into that's you know wrestles with Bible stuff. The whole idea is to... Help people understand that the creator of the universe, and he wants he wants conversation with us, and he wants us to have conversations with each other. It's the only way we can grow. So that's the purpose of doing Bible study live. Um, I'm not going to get it right all the time. Uh, my goal isn't really to be the answer to all your questions. It's to help you feel comfortable asking questions in a way that will help you help draw closer to the answers. Hopefully that makes sense. Dake will start to kick in. So I think my brain is a little foggy. Anyways, um, hopefully it'll clear it up in a sec. So here we go. Let's start at Genesis 1. Let's begin in the beginning. Okay. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Stop. Boop, boop, boop. Let's just stop. The very first thing we ever learn about who God is, is that he's a creator. Now, uh, let me say that again. The very first thing we learn about God is that he's a creator. God made everything, right? From the beginning of the story, we are told, in the beginning, God created. If we stopped right there, everything else that God created would fall under that umbrella, right? So like, as I look at this, the first thing that catches my attention is God wanted Moses to pen this and say, I want the world to know that I am a creator. Now, later we learn that we're created in his image, which makes it pretty awesome. But in the beginning, God created. What did he create? Well, he created the heavens and the earth. Okay, so in the very beginning, he created both. It says, now the earth was without shame, or excuse me, without shape and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the watery deep. But the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. So in the beginning, in the, the guys at the Bama podcast did a... Um, did a really deep dive into the Hebrew of this. And basically when it says, um, 
the earth was without shape and empty and darkness was over the surface. Um, basically the way that, uh, Hebrew scriptures, like what this really kind of digs into is that, um, there was nothing, but it wasn't just empty. Like we would go, Oh, that, that bowl is empty. It was a chaotic nothingness. Uh, and I thought that was interesting. I'd never heard that perspective before, but also I didn't spend my whole life studying Hebrew scriptures. Like I only spent like a year wrestling with it just this past year and there's still so much to learn. But basically in the beginning, the universe was filled with this chaotic nothingness, right? Like there was just nothing. Uh, but the nothing wasn't a calm and a peace. But what happens? Well, God created. He created something in the midst of this nothingness. The earth was without shape and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the watery deep, but the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. So God creates, and God's on the move. He's doing stuff, right? So we see his Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, as we like to say, the Ruach. If you notice like the beginning of the show, it says Ruach. Um, the New Testament word for that is Numa. There were great Numa videos back in the 2000s that were amazing. But um, anyways, so the Ruach of God was moving over the surface of the water, the breath of God, the wind of God, the spirit of God. And then verse three, God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. So God separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day and the darkness night. There was evening, there was morning marking the first day. Can I, um, for those of you that are unfamiliar with some things in Hebrew culture, can I share with you that, um, in the Jewish culture, the Hebrew culture, um, like it's not like America where the day is the beginning, right? Daylight is the beginning and darkness is evening. Um, Darren and I were listening to this the other day and, uh, and getting reminded of this, but in that culture, um, the day begins when the sun goes down in the evening. That's why like Shabbat Sabbath begins in the evening and then runs through. Um, so it's interesting because the story begins with the darkness. Now, um, as we later see also, uh, I heard, uh, Marty Solomon did a really great job in explaining this in the second episode of Bema, where he talked about how, um, when God was done creating, right, uh, he rested and it's like, well, if you think about it, the rest really is at the beginning of the day because the darkness is the beginning of the day. I just thought that was kind of neat. So anyways, so God saw that light was good. He separated light from darkness and he called the light day and the darkness night. There was evening, there was morning, the first day. So we know that God creates, God's on the move. God separates light from darkness. So who is God? Well, he's a creator. Who is God? He's a mover and a shaker. Who is God? He's the separator of light and darkness. And we know that light and darkness metaphorically represent good and evil let's continue verse six god said let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate water from water so god made the expanse separate the water from the water below from the water above and it was so god called the expanse sky there was evening there was morning a second day now god said let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear it was so god called the dry ground land and gathered the waters he called sees god saw that it was good i love this it was good it was good it was good verse 11 god said let the land produce vegetation plants yielding seeds and trees on the land bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds and it was so the land produced vegetation plants yielding seeds according to their kind and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kind god saw that it was good it was evening it was morning it was a third day pause look at this so god didn't just create like 
he didn't have to make seed bearing plants. If you think about it, God could have just be like, poof, more, poof, more, poof, more, poof, more. Like he could have just kept creating new trees, new plants, new fruit, new everything without giving them seeds to replicate and recreate themselves. But the beautiful thing that stands out to me in this story is that when God creates, he gives his creation away to create. I just think that's so neat. I don't know if, if that caught your attention, but to me, it was like the creator of the universe he even gave the plants the ability to create. He even gave the plants the ability to create. That's amazing. All right. God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night and let there be signs to indicate seasons and days and years and let them serve as lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. It was so God made two great lights, the greater light to rule over the day, the lesser to rule over the night. He made the stars also. And what else? God placed the lights in the expanse of the sky to shine on the earth, to preside over day and night and to separate the light from the darkness. Here we are again. Why was he doing it? Separating light from darkness. God saw that it was good. There was evening. There was morning. The fourth day. <laughs> God said, let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. God created the great sea creatures and every living thing, uh, every living and moving thing with which the water swarmed according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas. Let the birds multiply on earth. There was evening, there was morning, there was a fifth day. Can we just say again, here's God giving his creation the ability to create. Come on. All right. God said, let the lamb produce living creatures according to their kinds, cattle, creeping things, wild animals, each according to its kind. Can I just tell you, by the way, we had a creeping thing in our house about 15, 20 minutes ago. I saw this little black thing go broom across the floor. It was a baby mole. Um, our cat and our dogs have done this before. Usually the poor things have a heart attack before they get in the house. This one, thank goodness, little sucker was alive. And, uh, and I had to scoop him up in a bucket. Boy, they get quick. Uh, poor little cute thing. Anyways, it was a creeping thing. Creeping things creep me out. Anyways, so God made all these creeping things along the ground too, according to their kind. God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make humankind. I'm just going to click on this footnote. The Hebrew word is Adam. So uh, Adam refers to woman. And if I'm not mistaken, or excuse me, to man. And uh, man, I forget the word that they use for female. Anyways, it doesn't really matter. Uh, let us make mankind in our image. After our likeness, so they may what rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the cattle and over all the earth and all the creatures that move on the earth. Can we just stop? So who is God? God is the creator. He creates things that can recreate more things. So God looks at everything he creates. And so far in this story, every single thing God has created on earth anyway, has been created with the ability to sustain life, to to propel life, to continue life. God gave life in a way that that life would give more life. And, and it's interesting because it said, let us make mankind in our likeness to rule, right? To rule over the fish, the birds, the cattle, and the earth. So this is an interesting thing that I want to point out. Notice he didn't say over each other. See, we see a story in the Old Testament where they wanted a king, and so God gave them one, and then that went to crap. We struggle with it today. I do too, looking at our politicians like, we got to get these people in office. 
for what? So that they can lord over us? Whether they're blue or red, it doesn't really matter. But it's interesting that humanity wasn't created to rule over one another. We were created to rule over the earth. And some trans, trans, uh, some translations say subdue it, right? To subdue the earth. Um, but it's interesting. So we were creating God's image, right? Uh, after God's likeness, what's his likeness? That of a creator, a creator that creates more life. So we are created in that image. Uh, and God rules over everything. He created us to rule over the earth. God rules over that everything. Okay. And then it says this, God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Now, by the way, Genesis 1 is like the, the quick and dirty. And then when we moved to Genesis 2, we saw the break. We see the, you know, like, you know, getting more uh, macro view, like zoomed in. It says, um, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Let's look at this footnote. Hebrew says subdue means to enslave it, to conquer it. Uh, these other verses talk about to assault sexually. That wouldn't make sense, would it? So none of these nuances are accurate or adequately uh, meeting the demands of the context. For humankind, it's not viewed as having an adversarial relationship with the world. So the ruling over it, what would that mean then to bring under one's control for one's advantage? Uh, and I love how the NET says this one might paraphrase it as harness its potential and use its resources for your benefit. So God gave us life. He gave everything in the world, the ability to produce life. And then he gave us the ability to harness the power of the world to continue to produce, right? That's a pretty cool thing. So who's God? God's a creator. Who's God? He's a life giver. Who's God? Someone who doesn't just sit back there like a, a puppet master controlling us. God says, you know what? I'm going to give you life and I'm going to give you the ability to go and make some life. I think that is just so neat. So be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds of the air, and every creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I now give you every seed-bearing plant in the face of the earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to the all the animals of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to all the creatures that move in the ground, everything that has living breath in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he made, and it was very good. There was evening, there was morning, there was the sixth day. Now, I just want to, um, I'm going to pause on this really quick in Genesis 1, because I think Genesis 1 is a good place to stop today. For who is God and who are we? So from the very beginning of this story, I mean, because everything's purposeful. And Genesis, if you were to read through it all, it, it is a poem filled with chiasms. It's beautiful. <laughs> but everything we read, it has a purpose. Sometimes that gets lost throughout some of the translations. But as we read this story, if all we had was Genesis 1, what would we know about God? I think often we're so anxious to read through the rest of the story. We don't, we don't pause to go, what if this was all I had to know about God? Would I know enough to know God is worth following and worshiping? And for me, as I read this, I'm like, in the beginning, God created. God's creation at the beginning of time resulted in my creation today and yours. God's creation at the beginning of time 
that resulted in us being here now. Which makes it make more sense why later we read scriptures that say, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I had plans for you. I knew you. See, God knew you and I would be here today having this one-sided conversation that you're listening to. God knew from the foundation of the earth that we would be here right now. And he knew all the mistakes we would make in the thousands of years. Or if you're an old earther and you believe it's millions of years and the days represent a thousand years, it doesn't matter. Whether it's billions, millions, thousands, here's what we know. No matter what distance of time you put on the clock, God created and you're here as a result of his creation. And God, if the Bible's true, which I believe it is, God knew everything we would do, and he still chose to create. And he still chose to create us. Which means, I, I can't help but think that to me that means God knew you are worth being here. And so am I. So who is God and who are you? God is a creator. God is gracious because he knew what we do throughout life and he still chose to create us. God is merciful. And who are you? You are someone that God feels is worth it. He knew what we would do. He knew Jesus would go to the cross. He knew it all. And he still chose to create in the beginning. There you go. Who's God? Lover, merciful, creator. Who are you? Loved, recipient of grace and mercy. His wonderful creation. See, if we approach the throne of heaven with that understanding, boy, I think we'll draw a lot closer to our creator. Anyways, thanks for tuning into this uh, late afternoon Bible study live. I love you guys. I appreciate you. Look, uh, if you haven't got a copy of Darren and I's book um, yet, uh, text the word love to 833-981-0002. You can grab yourself a copy. Boom, 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 boom. It'll text you a link so you can buy it on Amazon. We'd sure love it if you'd give us a good review. If you liked today's episode, would you please share it? Also, listen, if you're an audio person, you're like, man, I like podcasts. I like to listen to them. You can go and um, subscribe to the Reconstructing Faith podcast, and uh, I'll put it on the screen for you. Give me one second here. I'm going to put the URL on the screen. Uh, and then from here, you can go subscribe on uh, your favorite podcast networks. So uh, let me pop this on the screen. Let me make that not so ginormous ad. There you go. I wish I could spell y'all. How about I put the letters in the right order? <laughs> How about that? Go to anchor.fm forward slash reconstructing faith. And uh, it's funny, I had a, a guy, such a, just a general, the most loving dude. Uh, I'm not going to say his name because he did this out of the goodness of his heart. And I, I don't think he wants recognition. But um, I had reached out to a dude because I, I needed to uh, replace the laptop I had. And he had a 14-inch MacBook Pro that, um, I mean, it's a $2,000 machine, right? And uh, and I just sold mine and, uh, and a Mac Mini I had uh, was being sold. And I was like, hey, 
I, I'm not trying to lowball you, but would you take 1200 bucks? And, and he messaged me and he's like, no, <laughs> negative ghost rider. I will not take 1200 bucks. And he said, but I looked at your, uh, your Bible study live stuff and I felt like God said to give it to you. And I was like, what? Like, I mean, like I can, I can give you the money from this one that got sold. And it was perfectly timed because I, I was forced to invest, um, which was a good idea. It's all God moving, but um, I had a real bad experience with a text marketing platform that I was utilizing. And, uh, and because of the bad experience with the owner, it, um, it pushed me to develop our own, um, which by the way, launches October 1st. Uh, so by him giving this to me, I was able to take the funds from the other thing and, and pay off what I had to put on my credit card to launch this other platform. Anyways, I tell you all that to say this though. Um, he said, I had to look through your stuff because I saw the hashtag deconstruction. And I was like, mm. and I want to share something with you guys. If you look at my podcast, or you look at any of my videos and you see that tag, I want to be very clear about something. Um, I'm not a deconstructionist. Here's the thing. Um, I, I had the privilege and honor of being on an amazing podcast. And uh, most of the other guests are deconstructionists, right? They, they've been hurt by church and they're still not in a church. You know, their faith, they, you know like exploring all kinds of other stuff, whatever. Um, and uh, Joey, it's called the Dismantle Podcast, and Joey had me on there. And um, one of the things that I'd said to him that I'm going to share with you guys now is that so many people um, go through life with um, a real negative image of the Christian faith, and for good reason, because Christians are people. <laughs> the church is full of hypocrites and sinners, man. It's a hospital for the sick. It, it isn't, uh, <laughs> it's not a, a house for the saints all the time. Okay. Like we screw up. We, we make mistakes. We're just trying to follow a perfect God, right? We're imperfect people trying to follow a perfect God. But I also went through a quote unquote, we'll say deconstruction phase. And what by deconstruction, I don't mean tearing down who God is or Jesus is. I mean, the tearing down of the religious subset of beliefs that were pounded into my head that were not anywhere in the Bible. Think of it this way. When Jesus came and he spoke to the Pharisees, you know, so many times, even when he was teaching all the, the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, he was saying, you've heard it said, but I say. That right there is an example of deconstructing false beliefs, bad beliefs. All of us have been programmed with some misbelief in our life. But the challenge is most people don't do the work to reconstruct their faith. Now, for some of you watching, maybe you're like me. I didn't even intentionally walk into a church until 1999 when I was 24 years old. I was 24. It was 22 years ago when I walked in that little smelly band room and, and my friend Lee Robbie was the pastor and I thought it was a cult. There's like 18 people and candles and incense. Little did I know it was to mask the stench of the pantry and to light the dim room, right? They had candles, so it wasn't fluorescent lights, seeing all the band instruments. And, and through that journey, I heard about this God who loved me in spite of all the stupid stuff I'd done in my life. And I didn't believe it then, but I said, if this is real, if this God loves like this, I want to know him right? I had to deconstruct the beliefs that I had about Christianity from witnessing the way people at my grandmother's church treated me uh, when, when my son Cullen was getting baptized. And uh, they wanted me to stand up in front of the church and say that I knew I made a mistake because we had him out of wedlock. And I said, I will never call my son a mistake. I said, I thought you're God to make mistakes. 
And they were like, okay, well, we'll still baptize them anyway because we don't want them to go to hell because that's what they believe, right? Dump some water in a baby's head. Like, that's going to fireproof them. Um, but it was interesting because then when they did do the baptism, they intentionally like humiliated us in front of the church. Like they said that in no way, shape or form is this us uh, excusing, you know, the child out of wedlock and, you know, and that, but th we're doing this for the child, you know, so that he, he can be saved and da, 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 da. And it was mind blowing to me. Right. So I, there was some, some wounding that I carried because of bad experiences with people. Interesting thing is God has never wounded me in a way to push me away from him. And he's never done that to you either. Neither has Jesus. Okay. So I tell you all that to say, when you look at my podcast and you see reconstructing faith, I have a heart. Um, there are a couple groups of people that I just really have a passion for connecting with people. Group number one, those that were like me that didn't know God at all grew up with a salty taste of Christianity in their mouth that made them sick to their stomach. Every time they heard anything about church, if that's you, this is a safe place to, to wrestle and ask questions. You're not going to get mean pushback from me. Uh, sometimes you're going to get an, I don't know, but I trust God anyway, answer. But, um, but I want you to know it's safe to ask questions. And if you're in an environment where it isn't, then maybe you're in the wrong environment. So group number one is the people that were like me that grew up with a nasty taste in their mouth from church. Group number two that I feel like God has put it on my heart to reach are other people like me who then became believers and went through a crisis of faith and through a series of bad interactions, I walked away for six years. And man, I was so drunk, so often, partying so hard all the time. Now, mind you, I am not in any way, shape, or form saying you can't drink alcohol or anything like that. Jesus turned water into wine at a party. And if you actually read that whole thing, the guy says, normally they wait till people are drunk to bring out the good wine, but in this case, or excuse me, to bring out, and then they bring out the crappy wine. But in this case, they brought out the best wine, which meant everybody was already partying. They were celebrating, right? It's just, we're not supposed to live a life of drunkenness, right? We're not supposed to have anything else have control over our life. Whole nother episode. But I tell you that because of this. I walked away from God for six years and dude, I was drunk five or six days a week. I mean, a lot, uh, so much so that I almost died from my blood pressure going through the roof. Uh, just dumb stuff. I just didn't take care of myself. Um, and I was in hindsight, I was doing all of that because I knew how I was living wasn't great, but the more I drank, the more I forgot about it. So I have a passion for reaching people that have walked away from their faith because of a church wound. Um, and by the way, as I tell you, the third group I'm passionate about, if you don't fit in one of those groups, there's still a place here for you. I just want you to know what God's got in my heart right now. And that may shift. It used to just be only a passion for high school and middle school kids, because I feel like those are such formational years. And he's been lighting that back up again too. But, but right now there's something else in that third group is, is men. Because men are not, we're not, we're not being the men that God created us to be. If you look at this country, when I look at most churches, the ratio of women to men is like two to one or three to one, three, three to one, three women to one man, two women to one man. Most of us came to church because of our significant others. First time I walked in the church because my kid's mom. Uh, and then years later, I went off the rails. When I got back in church, when I went back to going to church, uh, when I started getting back in my Bible was when my wife and I met uh, a little over five years ago. 
um, uh, yeah, five and a half years ago when we started talking. And, uh, and then I started getting into the Bible again because God's timing is perfect. And he was reconstructing, reconstructing my faith. See, like many deconstructionists, I had torn it all down. And, it, and, and I had associated all of it with people, right? Bad people experiences, bad people experiences in church, bad people experiences in church, implosion. I was so prideful, so prideful. We had an implosion of pride at the church plant I was part of. And I, I talk about it in my book, Now I See. Um, I was so angry because I thought, you know, my pastor was overcome with pride. And I can't speak to whatever he was dealing with. But I, in hindsight, looking back, I know that I was definitely dealing with it because I was looking at youth ministry as a stepping stone to be in the next Rick Warren, Rob Bell, one of these super pastor people back then in the, in the mid two thousands, early two thousands, I was so prideful. I was like, man, I'm, I'm a, I'm a speaker. I'm a trainer. I know the word. This is the trajectory for me. I'm going to take off like a rock. So I was really prideful, which you know to say pride comes before a fall. Right? So I'm sharing all this with you guys because here's the deal. My now wife, um, started talking to me about her faith and my good friend, Brad started talking to me about his at bar trivia one night, almost the exact same time that my wife and I started talking. And it was interesting because it was the, in that conversation with Brad, everything that I thought I didn't know anymore about God, Brad shared something that his pastor said, and, uh, it was a good message. But then the Bible verse that he quoted was uh, not in context. And I was like, well, that text doesn't have anything to do with that. It has to do with this. And Brad looked at me like I had a third eye. I was like, what do you, how do you know any of this? Because you know what Brad saw? Me being drinking and partying all the time like an idiot. And so, of course, he wouldn't know that I would know anything about the Bible. And I'm like, uh, duh, because I'm like an ordained pastor. And he's like, what? Which should have shocked him because my life was bearing no fruit. None. I share that with you to say this. Brad invited me to church. I went to their church. I just didn't, I didn't like the church. Uh, good hearted folks in the, in the, in the seats. I think the teacher's got a good heart too. I just, um, when I walked in, I just felt an immediate disconnect. And then my son had, uh, Liam had invited me to go to, uh, this church called Radiant in Richland, Michigan, which man, I love that church, man, I love that church, beautiful worship, strong teaching, such a great community of people who love God. Uh, and, and God just pulled me in. But had it not been for, you know, Brad bringing up something which sparked it, and then my, my now wife saying to me, my relationship with God matters. And, uh, and so I'm looking for someone to be a husband who will lead me closer to God, not pull me farther away. And in a, in a nutshell, that's what she said. Um, and she did flat out say, like, I want to marry somebody who's going to be a leader in our family and lead me. And now, note, my wife is powerful, intelligent, uh, independent, beautiful. She's a, an author. Uh, she speaks well. She trains. Like, she, man, she is like the most amazing woman I know. Um, and so it wasn't because she was helpless. It was because she wanted a perfect partner for her who would fulfill the role that God put him in, which is one that says, I'm going to put God first. Because if I put God first, that means I'm going to be the best husband ever for you. And that's what she wanted. So my faith began being reconstructed five and a half years ago. And the beautiful thing is all the head knowledge didn't go away. Um, but the heart knowledge came back. 
that all that to say, <laughs> right? The podcast was 16 minutes today, and then there's all this. Is to say, if you if you want to check that all of it out, go to anchor.fm forward slash reconstructing faith. If you go back, it used to be called the Rockstar Unplugged Podcast, and I left all the business episodes out there. Somebody asked me, they're like, why don't you just create a new one? And I said, because I want people to see the transition that happened in my life. Because if you were to go back six years, you're going to hear a whole different guy uh, blasting people, swearing, acting foolish. Um, man, it's not something I'm proud of, but the transition is something I'm grateful for. So check out the podcast, anchor.fm forward slash reconstructing faith. I upload at least three or four of these episodes a week to that. Um, and I trim the fat from the beginning and ends on those. Um, but as, as we move forward, this is episode one of season eight of the podcast. And we're going to work our way through Genesis uh, and start this journey from beginning at the beginning. By the way, if you're a man and you live near Sparta, Cookville, Smithville, MacMinville, I think that's how you say it down here, MacMinville, uh, Crossville, Cookville, Smithville, Nashville. No, Nashville's kind of far. Look, if you're within driving distance, two, two, two times a month, uh, and it just started this month, I'm getting together a group of men to wrestle with God's word and wrestle with becoming the leaders that God has called us to be. If you're a man who would like to be part of that, drop me a message. Would love to connect with you. If you want to listen to the audio version of the podcast because you can't hook up on video all the time, go to anchor.fm forward slash reconstructing faith. Listen, no matter where you're at in your journey with God, you're just one moment away from walking a little closer to Jesus. Can I encourage you? Make this your moment. Love you. I will see you guys tomorrow. If I still have the flu, it'll be later in the day like today. So uh, those of you that are praying folk, I know God's a healer. If you'd be praying for him to cast this yuckiness out of me, I would love you even more. Thanks, gang. Uh, I will see you tomorrow.